My name is Marcus Allen, and welcome to the first episode of the Sports Rant, where I basically air out my grievances about anything in sports that really pisses me off. So are the sports of baseball losing money or something? Are the pockets of the owners of these baseball franchises getting thinner or something? If not, can someone explain to me why in the world they are charging $84 for a preseason baseball game? It's not just it's not everybody, it's the Atlanta Braves specifically. The Atlanta Braves are charging between sixty and eighty dollars for not even premium seats, regular normal seats in these stadiums, not even in the uh, their home stadium, preseason Bush League stadiums. Basically stadiums where semi pro teams play. Charging eighty four dollars. Eighty four dollars for a seat. And what world do these boneheads think that someone's going to pay that much just to see practice to see practice none of the action that happens in these games will matter in the long run especially when that long run lasts 162 games matter of fact why are you even charging people for for tickets for this game anyway let these people in for free you know they've already got season tickets you know that they are already lining up right now to pay big money for games in this long, drawn-out, boring season. So why even charge them in the first place? And as if that wasn't big enough thing to piss me off about what's going on in baseball right now, there are actually fans who are upset because Yoel Cespedes is rolling around in some modified Mad Max-looking sports car. Yeah, people are complaining that the millionaire is spending his money. Really? You, your life is that sad. You are that desperate for something to wail on or to grab at that you're going to complain about a millionaire spin. If you were in his spot right now, tell me you will not be driving around in a Maserati right now. Go ahead and tell me. Tell me with a straight face that you, if you were making $5 million a game, you would not be driving around in a daggum Aston Martin Vanquish right now. I know I would. And I would not apologize towards a matter of fact, I would probably roll up in your neighborhood right now with a with that same Aston Martin Maserati, pull out a water gun and just start squirting you in the face. Just for the heck of it. Why? Because I got the money. I earned the right. I busted my butt. I paid my dues. I sweated. I bled to make it up to the best, the top league in my sport. And there's nothing, no one in the world who should tell me otherwise about what I'm doing with my money. Especially if it's not the fans, it's the owners. The owners are really the ones that are upset about this. They feel like, well, how in the world is he spending all this all this money that he's making me? Or rather, how is it that he can do it but I can't? Excuse me, how many of you owners are sitting around in a diamond encrusted hot tub right now with Miss September or some sports um illustrated model? Okay? Man, drive around in a car. He's driving around in a car, people. He's not going around making it rain in the nightclubs. At least I don't know if he is, if he is doing that. He's simply enjoying the money that he's making. Let the man enjoy it. He's earned it. Back off. Okay? Some of you got them daggum income tax checked and probably bought a dang Aston Martin too. Don't lie to yourself, daggum. Okay, let me let me kind of simmer down a little bit. No, 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 let me not simmer down a little bit. The Philadelphia 76ers. Why does this basketball franchise still exist? They 
are three-fourths of the way into the basketball season and are still at eight wins. Eight wins, people. In an 82-game season, they have only managed to win eight games. You can sneeze or trip and fall and win 10 games in, in NBA, okay? And it's not, this is not just something that just started. No, 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 no. The Philadelphia 76ers are the owners of the two, the two biggest losing streaks in NBA history. 26 game, straight games, 28 straight games. What the heck is going on in the Philadelphia 76ers organization where they are allowing this putrid display of base basketball to go on? How can you, in your right mind, in your heart of hearts, play for a team whose motto is lose? Who basically goes into season tanking from the get-go? Do they have like a, a team meeting that says, that goes like this? Oh, uh, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. We suck. We have little to no talent on this team. There is no way in the world we are going to make the playoffs. Let alone win our division. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go half-ass for the entire season. And hope that we get as many ping pong balls in that lottery machine to draft the next LeBron James. And we're not going to do this for one season. No, 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 no. We are going to do this for three seasons. That's basically what they've done. For three whole seasons, they have been in tanking mode, hoping that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James would manifest themselves into one person and basically pick them up out of the doldrums of the Eastern Conference. Because seriously, look at the Eastern Conference right now. Who are the top teams that are playing right now? You got the Cleveland Cavaliers. You have the Toronto Raptors, and you have the Miami Heat. That's top, off the top of my head. Three best teams. Anyway, the Miami Heat barely have 30 wins. Cleveland has like right, right around what, 40-something wins? Toronto has 30-something wins. There is no way in the world that the Philadelphia 76ers cannot muster at least 20 wins in the Eastern Conference. And what's more mind-boggling is this is happening in Philadelphia. The sports city that basically booed Santa. They booed Santa Claus, threw snowballs at him, and kicked him out of the old veteran stadium, football stadium. You really, you really expect me to believe that these people, who are as adamant as any sports fan I know about, would sign on to a basketball team that whose motto is losing? How are they making money? How is this team making? How are they paying the player salaries? There's nobody can be going to the game. Nobody. I refuse to believe that anybody's going to these games right now, watching these teams lose. There's no one in the world. And if they had the balls to jack up the prices on these tickets to make sure to make as much money as they can for the few people that they are pulling in there, I would literally drive to Philadelphia and punch the owner in the face. Okay, maybe I won't do that, but but someone needs to. Okay, someone needs to. Get a guy a snap with that. Or give him a guy a V8. He should have had a V8 at the beginning of the season. Because there is no way in the world any logical person can play for this team and not get upset. Moving on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Peyton Manning is finally hanging up his cleats. The old, old football QB is finally calling it quits. After winning his second ever Super Bowl. 
And now that he's finally going to retire, or what is I think it's Monday, people, the company is already going to start. Where is Peyton, Peyton, where is Peyton Manning's legacy? Where did he stack up in the annals of football history? When you write down the list of the greatest football QB, or greatest QBs to ever play the game of football, where does he land? And I'm going to give you my take on that. He's outside the top five. I know, mind-boggling, right? Who in their right mind would put Peyton Manning outside the top five of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football? Apparently me. Because as great as he was, he was only great in the regular season. Yeah, how come no one criticizes Peyton Manning all that much? How come no one ever takes Peyton Manning to task when it comes to his legacy in football? Oh, sure, he has every passing record there is. Touchdowns, completions, passing yards, passing attempts. He has all those records. That's all fine and good. But you know what one record anyone ever pays attention to when it comes to quarterbacks? Postseason record. How does the man do when it's crunch time, when it's one and done, you either win or you go home? The guy is one game over 500. One game over 500, and he is 500, I believe, in Super Bowls. Two and two. One one with the Colts, just one one with the Broncos. Lost two. One with the Colts, one with the Broncos. And no one ever really talks about that. This guy is literally a Madden created player, okay, when it comes to the regular season. He breaks records in his sleep. But he it's horrible in the playoffs. Which is something you can't even say about his kid brother, Eli Manning, who is the luckiest quarterback in NFL history. Had that not been for two of the flukiest plays in NFL history, Eli Manning wouldn't even be an afterthought, okay? But he has a better playoff record than his big brother, Peyton, who is miles ahead of him when it comes to being a talented quarterback. But most of y'all would think it's blasphemy to talk about Peyton Manning like this. He is the second golden boy in the NFL next to Tom Brady. No one should be able to badmouth Peyton Manning. I'm sorry, folks. Peyton Manning is not a perfect idol when it comes to football, okay? The man is a screw-up in the playoffs. The two Super Bowls he managed to win, he wasn't even that much of a big of a factor in the final decision, especially last season. He was carried to that Super Bowl, and y'all know it. Okay? Nothing he did in that game against the uh, Carolina Panthers proved that he was deserving of winning that uh, title. The defense won that game. Peyton Manning was just a passenger on his own um, tour bus, basically. I mean, I know it's crazy, people. Just hear me out. Peyton Manning is the greatest regular season quarterback ever. But he's not one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Conor McGregor finally lost, folks. The great Irish hype finally got a, had his old taken away from him by Nick Diaz in a welterweight bout yesterday. And instead of congratulating Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz rather, on his victory, you people decide to criticize Conor McGregor. Like seriously, every single website I went to that spoke about the UFC 196 main event says, has comments on it. It's like, ha ha, Conor McGregor finally got his comeuppance. 
Aha! Conor McGregor, McGregor finally got exposed. Aha! Conor McGregor's weaknesses have finally been taken advantage of by someone who is better than him. You basically call this guy the champion of the little man's division. Excuse me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Conor McGregor just beat a guy who was undefeated for 10 years? Was there anyone undefeated for 10 years in the welterweight division? I don't think... George St. Pierre, one of the greatest welterweight champions of all time, went undefeated for more than two months. Jose Aldo was undefeated for a decade. And Conor McGregor knocked the man out in 13 seconds. It ain't bragging. It ain't boasting when you can back it up, people. It ain't the man's fault that he was more tailored for the 145 division other than the 170 division. It's not his fault. He fights who, who he has to fight. He fights who he can fight. Nick Diaz was the better man on that night. But who's to say Conor McGregor cannot come back and knock out Nick Diaz? Who's to say that? Yes, his weaknesses, his lack of a ground game was exposed. But no fighter's perfect. Nick Diaz is not a perfect fighter. Nick Diaz got schooled by George St. Pierre. Nick Diaz had got schooled before. It happens, folks. This is fighting. This is not football. This is not an organized sport like baseball, football, or basketball. This is a fight. You punch the other man. In order to win, you punch the man in the face or kick him in the face to the point where he cannot continue. Everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Nick Diaz got punched in the mouth and didn't back down. He submitted the guy. He got punched in the mouth. Put the man to the ground, submitted him. And speaking of people who I want to punch in the mouth, figuratively, not literally, Nick Saban. Nick Saban, you perfect hair son of a gun. You and Alabama piss me off more than anything involving sports. Now, I don't know Nick Saban for any other guy in the market, but the program that he has built in Alabama right now, the football program he's put in Alabama right now is the most nerve-wracking, mind-numbingly annoying thing in sports today. Every single time the college football season starts, all I hear is Alabama's going to be in the national championship. How many games is Alabama going to win? Is this the year Alabama repeats again? Excuse me, folks. Is Alabama in a conference by itself? Do other people play in the SEC? Explain something to me. How is it that Alabama can rest on its laurels season after season after season after season, but no other team can? Florida State won the national championship, and the next year, everybody put Alabama above them. Not literally in the rankings, but everybody said it was Alabama's championship to lose. That is the most disrespectful crap I have ever heard in my life. Okay. Newsflash, people. There are no dynasties in, in football, uh, college football anymore. Okay. There are no dynasties in sports. Period. Everybody can lose. Okay. Alabama is the most one of the most overrated programs I have seen in my life. Yes, they have great and a great talent. Not denying that they have great talent on that team. But they're not going to win every year. And they should not always be put in a position to win every year. 
How many times have we put the SEC in the top five, top two, and watched them lose and lose and lose? To each other, mostly to each other, but they still lose. But apparently the losses in SEC are much bigger than any other conference. I, I, I just don't see it. A loss is a loss, people, no matter who you lose to. Even when they lose to people outside that conference, they're like, well, they had a bad game. Uh, they weren't playing up to their potential. Uh, Nick Saban wasn't making Excuse me. A loss is a loss. Florida State loses. They drop out of the top 10. Ohio State loses. They drop out of the top 10. Alabama loses. They're still number two in the nation. That's ridiculous. The best teams are not always in the SEC, especially last year. Last year, the SEC sucked. Okay, I'm a Gator fan. Been a Gator fan for, the, for my entire life. We lost our quarterback and basically went into the tank. One player went down on our team and we basically stunk up the place for the rest of the season. Alabama had only Derrick Henry to rely on. Their quarterback was a game-managing quarterback of the umpteenth degree. And they rested on the shoulders of... De- if Derrick Henry did not exist for that team, Alabama wouldn't have even been in a position to win the national championship, let alone make it to the college football playoffs. Yet every year, they're ranked number two. Every year, they're ranked number one. Every year, these SEC teams are put in a position to win a national championship, and no one seems to have a problem with that. People, listen up. The SEC, you can, uh, rather, you can survive college football without the SEC being the national championship, being the national champion, rather. You can survive. You did it before, you can do it again, people. Get off of Alabama's coattails. Stop it. That's my time for now. Thank you for listening to the first podcast. Sorry if it sounded kind of rough. Still working out the kinks in this thing. But thank you right now. This is not a one-shot deal. I will be coming back. Because there are more things out there that are ticking me off even as we speak. And you best know that I will be talking about it. This is Marcus Allen signing off. See ya.